right, we're going to get back into our Sunday night series on the progress of victory that we can have as Christians. So why don't we turn in our Bibles tonight to the book of Jude, the book of Jude, the small letter of Jude, because it's there that we will find another way that we can fight the spiritual enemy of our flesh. And again, a reminder that the flesh that we're talking about is not the physical flesh of our bodies, but rather the fallen flesh of our souls. The fallen part of our nature that is not only drawn to sin, but is also the very source of our sin. And even though when you're saved, you're given a new nature that is now able to desire and able to pursue after the things of God, we all know too well that that old nature is still within us. It's also described in the New Testament as that old man that still needs to be put off, as Paul tells us, like an old, worn, filthy shirt. But, again, in our experience, that is all too often easier said than done. And so, what has God given us? God has given us His Word, and through His Word, various ways to put off the flesh and to overcome our flesh. And, you know, one of the things that we just sang in Yield Not to Temptation is, Him who overcometh. And, of course, we know where that comes from. It comes from the book of Revelation, and as far as the the ones who overcome, they're in the various churches. And so we are able now, by God's grace, through his strength as believers, to overcome the flesh. But as we've already considered, we can never have victory over our flesh apart from two things, apart from depending on the Lord and dwelling with the Spirit. Of course, this was the very foundation of this part of our series on Sunday nights. We must always depend on the Lord and dwell with the Spirit because that's where victory begins and that's where victory will end. We must never pursue any other of these means of victory on our own strength, but only through His, depending on the Lord and dwelling with the Spirit. But as you depend on the Lord, and as you dwell with the Spirit, they enable us to fight against our flesh so that we can then experience more victory over this enemy within. So, yes, we depend, yes, we dwell, but then we must also pursue after that fight and fight the good fight of faith. So the last time we looked at this, we learned that one of the means by which we overcome the flesh is we deny the flesh. We deny the flesh. So we depend on the Lord, we dwell with the Spirit, and we deny the flesh, just like we're told in Romans 13, 14. Uh, We saw this, I think, probably maybe three Sundays ago it's been now. Make not provision for the flesh, Paul says to fulfill the lust thereof. And yet, how many times do we make provision for the flesh? We go ahead and and give it what it needs, and we think we're going to have victory, and yet we don't, because we've made provision for it. That is, we need to deny our flesh access to those things that will feed the frenzy of our fallen lusts and desires. We need to deny our flesh. So have we been doing this? Have you been doing this? Have you been depending on the Lord when you feel the lust of the flesh coming to the surface? Have you been dwelling with the Spirit day by day? And have you been pursuing the denial of your flesh? Not feeding it, but starving it. Well, as you depend, as you dwell, we need to pray that God will help us to deny our flesh. Well, tonight we're going to find another way. Another way and means, which is really not separate from any of these, but rather in coordination with these, another way to overcome our flesh, and that is 
to detest our flesh, to detest it, to, de to detest your flesh with a holy hatred, a holy hate. Now, again, we're not talking about hating your physical flesh, but rather your fallen flesh. And we need to desire to have a holy hate toward those things that God himself hates. You know, we learned this morning that God is love and that Jesus loves us in that amazing way. And yet there are some things that God is known to hate. And we must learn to love what God loves and learn to hate what God hates in order to overcome our flesh. And we find this principle in Jude verse 23, and rather the latter part of verse 23, where as Jude is talking about how Christians are to care for others within the body of Christ, uh, who you might call casualties of false teachers and false teaching. In context, that's what Jude is dealing with. False teachers, false teaching, and there are some who are going to succumb to that false teaching, and they need to be dealt with. Uh, they need to be fostered. They need to be treated. And so Jude admonishes us, even as we care for others who are casualties to this false teaching, he admonishes us to be hating. Verse 23, even the garment spotted by the flesh. And that is a holy hatred. A holy hate toward those things that may even be slightly tainted, spotted by our flesh. Now again, in context, this is a warning uh, a warning, much like we find in Galatians 6.1, where Paul tells us, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you are also tempted. So here we see the connection between stronger believers and weaker believers in the church. Uh, the weaker believers are those who succumb to error and sins and they yield to those temptations. Uh, and so the stronger believers are to come to those who have been overtaken in a fault in order to restore them to the faith, to restore them to the church, to restore them to right and to the order and even to holiness. But the warning in Galatians is that the stronger believers restore the weaker ones in a spirit of meekness so that they don't fall prey to the same weakness that their other brother did. And so that is what Jude is describing here, much in the same way in verses 22 and 23. So, you know, you think about these casualties of false teachers and false teaching. And so in verse 22, Jude says, so for some of these, you need to have compassion. Some of these you're going to win back by showing them the great mercy that, that they need. These are probably people that have tender consciences. And then he says, you need to make a difference, though. Uh, there's a triage going on when you're talking about this, this spiritual rescue. You need to make a difference. You need to discern the difference between those who have a soft heart and maybe even those that have harder hearts, because in verse 23, there are others that you need to save with fear, even pulling them out of fire. So there are some that you will rescue from this false teaching and false teachers with great mercy because of their tenderness, but then there's others that you've got to use some might and maybe even church discipline because of their hardness. And you've got to make that distinction there. And so when other Christians are struggling with the effects of false teachers and false teaching, those who are stronger in the faith need to assess the best way to win and to bring them back. But at the same time, verse 23, we need to keep on hating, hating even the garment spotted 
by the flesh. Now, even though this is a general statement of feeling that should accompany the action of saving others, saving others from the error of their ways and the error of doctrine, it provides a deep motive in order to reach people that are lost. Not lost from salvation, but even just lost from the church, the true church. But this statement of feeling applies both to the strong and to the weak. It applies not only to those who have been steeped in error, but even those that are trying to rescue those in error. And so even though this, whole, this refers to a holy hate toward the flesh of others, again, hating the garment even spotted by the flesh, it applies to a holy hate toward your own flesh as well. It's a holy hate toward any flesh that taints us. So when we learn to detest our flesh, we will get even closer to having victory over our flesh. And so there's three things we want to consider from this verse and really from that phrase in Jude 23. And the first thing is we do need to learn to hate what the flesh is. To hate what the flesh is. Again, Jude 23, hating the first part of the phrase and then the last part, the flesh. There needs to be a hatred, a holy hatred of our fallen nature, of our fallen flesh. And again, we're not talking about the physical nature of man, even though sometimes it's a temptation to say, I hate these things that God has given me in my physical flesh. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about our fallen nature. But this fallen nature is something that Jesus himself describes in Mark chapter 7. So keep your finger here in Jude 23. And go back with me to the Gospel of Mark. In Mark chapter 7, when some of the religious leaders were offended that Jesus and his disciples did not wash their hands in a ritual way before they ate, if you remember, in Mark chapter 7, verse 15, Jesus tells them something that even his disciples kind of had a hard time understanding. In Mark 7, 15, Jesus says, There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things that come out of him, those are they that defile the man. In essence, what is Jesus talking about? He's talking about our flesh. He's talking about our fallen nature, which is the very source of our sins and our lust. And he says, it's not what comes from without that defiles you and defiles your heart but rather it's what comes from your heart that defiles everything that you are and everything that you do apart from the grace of God. Well, Jesus explains this further in verses 20 through 23. He says, That which comes out of the man, that, that which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man, for from within, out of the heart of men, proceed what? Evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, and of course, we all see these things as the culmination of the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. So from within, out of the heart of men proceed these things, evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. This is our flesh. This is our fallen nature. This is that old man. And all of this we are to hate and detest and despise because all of these things fall, fall or flow from a fallen heart. But why do we need to hate them? 
Because God hates them, don't they? Doesn't he? Uh, in fact, you know, you turn there, but in Proverbs 6, 16 through 18, we're told, these six things doth the Lord hate. Again, God is known for his love, but God is also known for his hate. And what does he hate? Well, he gives us an itemization of what he hates. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, and feet that be swift in running to mischief. And of course, even though that list does not correspond exactly and precisely with the list that Jesus gave, there's a lot of overlap and there's a lot of similarities. And that's why we need to hate the flesh and detest the flesh with a holy hatred. Do we hate what our fallen flesh is? Do we hate what our fallen flesh is? But then, in addition to this, we need to learn, number two, to hate what the flesh does. To hate what the flesh does. And what does our flesh do? Well, in verse 23, of back in, in Jude, if you head back there again, uh, he again says, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. What does the flesh do? What does your flesh do? What does your old man do? It defiles things. It spots things. It defiles and spots those things that would otherwise be clean and pure. The words that are used to describe the spotting by the flesh is only used a few times in the New Testament, but I think it shows us what our flesh does and really why we ought to hate what our flesh does. Go over with me now to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 13, uh, because that spotting is also found in this verse, because it describes what sin itself does. Of course, the flesh is the source of our sin, and the sin is something that also spots us, and especially the sin of false teachers. Not only does Jude deal with false teachers and false teaching in his letter, so does 2 Peter, right? And so Peter calls out these false teachers in 2 Peter 2.13, and what does he call them? <laughs> Spots they are, and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. Now, this is not something that we hear much anymore when you deal with people that are false teachers or deal with false teaching, and, and someone were to call them out on it and say, they're Spots and blemishes in your church. There's spots and blemishes even against the, the church of the living God. But that is what they are, and that is what they do. That is what our flesh does. So not only does the flesh produce spots and blemishes in our souls, they do the same thing in the church. And what this means is that they even counteract what Jesus himself is seeking to do with his church. You see, the word for spot is not just used here in 2 Peter for what the false teachers are to the church. The word for spot is also used in Ephesians 5.27. And in that place, it's used to describe what the Savior does. So go there now with me. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27. And of course, we're familiar with these verses uh, as far as who the Lord is to the church and what he has done for the church and I'd like to pick up there in, in verse 25, where again Paul writes, Husbands, love your wives. And of course, that's certainly a, an important truth for us as husbands. But then he adds, why? Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So 
Again, the connection between a husband and wife is related to the connection between Christ and his church. And we are to love our wives as Christ loved his church and gave himself for it. But why did he love and give himself for the church? Verse 26, so that he might sanctify and cleanse it with a washing of water by the word. Now, that uh, implies that there's some filth in us, right, still. There's something that needs to be sanctified. There's something that needs to be cleansed. There's something that needs to be washed still within the body of Christ. But ultimately, as he sanctifies, as he cleanses us, as he washes us through the water of his word, it's so that, verse 27, he might present it, the church, to himself, a glorious church, not having what? Not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So here's another reason why we ought to hate the flesh. Because the flesh does the very opposite of what Christ is doing in his church. Your flesh does the very opposite of what Christ wants to do in your own soul. So the question is, do you hate what your fallen flesh does? It spots and taints and defiles so much of your life, so much of your soul, so much of your actions, so much of what you think about, so much of our church. But we also know that what the flesh does, it does from the inside out, which means it doesn't stay inside, does it? It doesn't merely stay inside, and that's why we're going to spend most of our attention is that third, we need to learn also to hate what the flesh contaminates. Yes, we need to hate what the flesh is because God hates what the flesh is. We need to learn to hate what the flesh does because God is doing something different. He's trying to clean those spots, and yet the flesh makes those spots. But we also need to learn to hate what the flesh contaminates. If you go back to Jude 23, this is why Jude gives us this warning in the first place. Again, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now that's an interesting phrase. Because yes, we're to hate the flesh, which is what the flesh is. Yes, we are to hate what the flesh does, it spots. But we're also to hate even the garment spotted by the flesh. That is, we are to hate and detest even what the flesh touches and defiles and infects. The word for garment here refers not to maybe your suit jacket, if you're wearing one today, or, or even just the outer shirt that you're wearing, the, the outer blouse for you ladies. It actually refers to a tunic, which was the garment that was worn closest to the body, like an undershirt, only longer. And just like the undergarments that we wear, we put them on to cover ourselves, usually every morning to cover up those things that we don't want people to see. But sometimes we use those undergarments as comfort to keep us cool when things are hot, to keep us warm when things are cold. But what happens when those undergarments even, the tunics that we wear, if you will, the things that are closest to our bodies, closest to our physical flesh, what happens when those clothes become stained and soiled? What should you do with them? You should take them off and you should get rid of them. This is one of the reasons why the diaper industry is never going anywhere. <laughs> because when a baby soils its tunic, 
that, that undergarment, if you will, the, the, the diaper that they're wearing. Any good parent is not going to just leave it there because more problems could take place. They take it off, they clean it up, and they get rid of it, and they don't use it again. It's because those garments are filthy and can cause further problems. Well, so it is with the spiritual garments that we use to cover up our flesh, even though they are stained by our flesh. He's not talking about, again, our physical bodies, nor is he talking about our physical clothes. He's talking about our spiritual flesh as well as our spiritual garments. What are those spiritual garments that we are to hate with a holy hatred? Well, just like the clothes that we might use as a covering, we need to hate those things that hide our flesh. I mean, that's what these tunics were used for. That's what our clothes still are used for. We need to hate those things that we use to cover up the sins and lusts of our flesh. Yes, we need to hate our flesh. Yes, we need to hate the defilement of our flesh. But we even need to hate the things that we use to cover up the sins and lusts of our flesh, which we are so good at. This is something people think that they've been good at since the very beginning when Adam and Eve tried to hide and cover up their sin against God in the Garden of Eden. Do you remember what they did? After they ate of the forbidden fruit and their eyes were opened to see things that they were not supposed to see, instead of seeing the glory that God had given them, they saw that they were naked before God. And in, in Genesis 3, 7, and 8, this is what they did first. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. They put on a tunic. They put on something in order to cover their shame, to cover their flesh, to cover up their sin. And then, Genesis 3.8, they heard the voice of the Lord God who was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So here we have the Lord Jesus, one of the earliest instances where Jesus in a pre-incarnate form is there in the Garden of Eden and he's walking in the cool of the day and they hear his voice speaking and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. So that's what they tried to do. They tried to cover up their sin. They tried to cover up their flesh. They tried to hide themselves from God. But no matter how hard they tried, and you know, I would imagine it was probably hard to sew fig leaves together to make something to wear. Um, it probably took some time. It probably took some effort. Probably took some ingenuity to do all of this. And so this whole process in doing it, they tried hard, yet they were still spotted by their own sin and their own flesh, and they were naked and open before God. So when Jude tells us, whether we are dealing with the sins of others or we're dealing with our own sins, that we need to be hating even the garments that are spotted by our flesh. We need to hate the garment of cover-up when dealing with our flesh and our lusts. And instead, we need to learn to display our flesh, to display it to God for what it is. We need to remember what Adam and Eve forgot. Hebrews 4.13, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. We might think that we are hiding our flesh from others, but you cannot hide your flesh from God. 
And so sometimes the best way to deal with your flesh is to expose it to the Lord and expose it even to sunlight, which has been said is the greatest disinfectant of all. Yes, we need to expose it to God, but sometimes we even need to, as James tells us in James 5.16, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. So one of the ways for us to hate the garment spotted by the flesh is to hate the garment that covers up our sin, to hate the garment of cover-up, so that we will display it and disclose it, so that we will not have that shame any longer. But then also, just like the clothes that we wear for comfort to us, we also need to hate those things that harbor our flesh. Harbor our flesh. Even those things that make our flesh and our sins comfortable so that it feels no threat. Now, I think as Christians, and really probably most of us here, we have good enough standards in our lives so that we don't feed our flesh. But the problem is we're not starving our flesh either. Instead, we might be fine with the status quo. We might be fine with leaving things as they are. We might be fine with just sort of a stalemate between the flesh and the spirit and the spirit and the flesh. Instead, we need to hate the garment of comfort when we are dealing with our flesh. And we need to learn to disturb our flesh in order to make it uncomfortable. Now, how can you do that? One of the ways is to expose yourself to the washing of water by God's word. Because God's word will make us uncomfortable if we're staying in our flesh, if we're staying in our sin. At times, this may even require radical change so that there is no safe harbor for the lust of our flesh. I think this is part of what Jesus was dealing with back in Mark chapter 9 when Jesus said these rather shocking words. If thy hand offend thee, or if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. Or if thine eye offend thee, do what? Pluck it out. Now that is some strong metaphor. But even though that's very strong, Jesus is not advocating self-mutilization, but rather self-denial which is what we considered the last time we were together. From Romans 13, 14. Make not provision for the flesh. In other words, you need to do whatever it takes to disturb your flesh so that you don't keep it comfortable. Starve it. Don't feed it. Starve it. Don't just let it stay status quo. Starve it so that it will not prevail over you. But there is something else that we might do with our clothes even those that go unseen by others. Sometimes even our garments can contribute to our flesh and our lusts. When we think about it in a natural way, how many commercials and magazines deal with what you wear? With our clothing, the things that we put on the outside. And, and even how many commercials and how many magazines deal with even our underwear? We've probably been watching a show or something like that, and all of a sudden there's a flash on the screen, and it's like, whoa, where'd that come from? Because the world is trying to attract us to things that are comfortable, things that somewhat cover, but also things that contribute to our flesh. Clothes themselves can become precious and valuable to us, right? 
Even the clothes that we wear can become valuable to us, and we need to learn to hate those things that honor our flesh. Those honor our flesh. Even to the point of idolatry, putting something in the place of God in your life. So it's not just about the clothes that you wear. It's about the things that you're letting your flesh take advantage of. The things that will permit your flesh to continue the way it is. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel often were unfaithful to the Lord. Uh, of course, we saw that all throughout the book of Judges, as we've been reading. And they set up idols. But did you notice where they set up idols? They set them up in the middle of a grove of trees. And so there was a connection between this idolatry and these groves of trees. In fact, the groves themselves became a symbol of idolatry in many places throughout the Old Testament. And yet when the kings came, and even when a good king would take the throne, they would often destroy the idols, but do what with the groves? They would keep them in place. Every so often you'd find a really good king that would destroy both, but most of the time they would get rid of the idols, but they would keep the groves. But what happens to us is that we need to get rid of the idols and the groves. We need to hate even the garments that are spotted by the flesh. You see, the garments that were spotted by the flesh are those, those different lusts that we keep intact. When we, can, when we keep intact those things that contribute to our struggle because of its value to us. For example, how many people struggle with covetousness and greed and yet hang on to those maybe collections that contributed to it because of how much they invested in it? How many struggle with the sin of drunkenness and yet will hang on to those souvenir glasses that they've invested so much money in that they would use to take shot after shot after shot and they still have them displayed in their house? How many struggle with keeping their affections on things above and yet their eyes stayed glued to the screen of their phone? In all of these cases, those are the garments that are spotted by the flesh. They're not the flesh themselves. They're the garments that contribute to the flesh and honor the flesh. So we need to hate the garment of those things that contribute to our flesh. And instead, we need to learn to discard those things that will tempt us as they have done before. So what do we need to do when it comes to detesting our flesh? Well, instead of hiding your flesh... You need to display and expose what covers it. Do we live our lives hiding what we're ashamed of? Or rather, do we put it in the open? Mostly in the open before God. Because He is the sun that will disinfect us. He is the one that will take away those spots and wrinkles and any such thing from our hearts and from our church. Or instead of harboring your flesh, letting it stay comfortable... You know, not really kind of disturbing it. Instead, you need to take away its comfort. And you need to disturb it. And you do that through the power of God and His Word. And then third, instead of honoring your flesh, you need to discard what contributes to it because these are all the garments that are spotted by the flesh. And I like what Matthew Henry writes about this verse and really writes about this phrase. As Christians, we need to avoid all that leads to sin or looks like sin. And again, this is something that 
we often don't hear. This is something that we often don't do. Yes, we need to hate our sin, but we also need to hate and avoid all that leads to sin or even looks like sin. But when you remove those spotted garments, you know, we have something to replace those garments, something far better. Even a garment that can do all that you need and all that you want it to, which is, of course, the garment of the Lord Jesus Christ and His righteousness. You know, so often we try to use things in our lives to cover up the shame of our sin, but there's one who can cover our sin and really cleanse us from all sin, and we don't always go to Him, do we? Only the love of Christ can truly cover the shame of your sin because His charity, His love, covers a multitude of sins. So why do we try to cover up our shame and our sin and our, our lusts and our flesh with anything else but the love of Christ? Also, only the sacrifice of Christ can bring true comfort to the struggles of your soul. We, we try to let our, our lives and our, our lusts and our flesh be comfortable. But yet Jesus is the one who gives us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. You know, you might try to comfort your flesh, but inside you're truly miserable if you are a child of God's. And then only the person of Christ can provide a lasting contribution to benefit your soul. You know, we might have all of these things that at one time might have been a part of our lusts, a part of our flesh, a part of our former life, a part of even our temptations to sin. And we don't want to get rid of those things because they're valuable to us. We've invested in something in them. I remember when I was in high school and we had a speaker come and really talked about the change that ought to take place in the lives of Christians. And it was not just in what you did, but also in what you listened to. I remember there was a young man in my class that took some of those old cassette tapes of some of the songs that he knew displeased the Lord. And he said to some of us, he said, grab the tape. And so we grabbed the tape and he started running with the cassette. And the tape just made this long line all through the hall and all the way down the stairs and all the way through the gymnasium. And of course, it destroyed the tape. But that was the point. Those were not valuable to him anymore. He hated even the investment that he made because he knew that those were spotted by his flesh. Only the person of Christ can provide a lasting contribution to benefit your soul. Only Christ is of more precious and of more value than any of those things that contribute to our flesh. So tonight, let us learn to hate even our garments that are spotted by the flesh so that we might have greater victory over our flesh even this week. Let's close in prayer. Gracious Father, I thank you again that you've shown to us that, yes, we need to deny our flesh, and yes, Lord, we need to detest and hate our flesh and even hate the garments spotted by our flesh. Those things that accompany our flesh and contribute to our flesh or give aid and comfort to our flesh or even try to cover up our flesh. But Lord, we cannot do any of those things apart from depending on the Lord and dwelling with your spirit. And so Lord, again, as we look at these things, yes, there is a responsibility that we have as your people to be holy as you are holy. But we can never pursue holiness apart from 
our Lord Jesus Christ and his spirit. And so, Father, I pray that tonight, as we depend on the Lord, as we dwell with your spirit, that, Lord, we will learn more to deny our flesh and then, Lord, to detest and hate even the garments that are spotted by our flesh. Because, Lord, we know that when we hold on to those garments, we're doing so because we want to hide our flesh. We want to hide those things that, that, that we're perhaps struggling with or hiding those things that perhaps we're taking pleasure in or hiding those things that we are certainly ashamed of. We're harboring those things and giving them safe harbor instead of disturbing it by your word so that you might cleanse us. And sometimes, Lord, we even want to hang on to those things that have a history with our flesh. And yet, Lord, in doing so, we will never see victory over it. So, Father, I pray that you'll help us tonight to learn to have a healthy hate toward even these garments that are spotted by our flesh. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.